Welcome to N20XX. This series takes the listener, year by year, into the future. From 2040 to 2195. If you like emerging tech, ecotech, futurism, permaculture, apocalyptic survival scenarios, and disruptive science, sit back and enjoy short stories that showcase my research into how the future may play out. Dr. Benny and Dr. Trot stand side by side looking over Vinny's arm stump while he sits on an exam table. Dr. Benny, a femme with a long face and flared ears, says, do you feel any irritation or discomfort? Vinny says, none. I feel like it's part of me. He holds out his arm remnant that extends four inches from his shoulder. In three places, plastic-like, penny-sized devices stick out from the skin and the new socket protrudes from the end. Wearing a tank top, the hair on his chest and neck shows. Dr. Trout nods and says, these new materials transition into your tissue very well. With an unusually thick head of hair, he smiles quickly and then relaxes his expression. Reaching for the arm he says, may I? Vinny says, sure. Dr. Trout takes Vinny's arm firmly, places his thumb on one of the devices, and presses, pushing it in many directions, working it against the surrounding tissue. He watches Vinny's face, which remains relaxed. Dr. Trout says, that feels okay? Vinny says, honest, doc, it's like you're tugging on one of my fingers. Dr. Trout says, good. Dr. Benny says, his immune system accepts every part of the implants. His skin has fully integrated as it healed. We don't have to worry about any gap between implant and skin. The soft materials match pliability with the tissue so he won't notice the networks between nerves and outputs. Vinny smiles and nods though the doctors tire him. They both laugh a little too much and lock into what they're paying attention to. Vinny sits in a small room listening as the AI voice says, imagine reaching out with a completely straight arm and making a fist. His glasses AR show two 3D arms. One moves into the position the AI wants him to mentally move his missing arm into, and the other shows the position resulting from the nerve readers in his arm. The second arm always moves awkwardly but less so with each day. Vinny's stump points forward. Wires connected to the three outputs hang loosely and lead to inputs in a white box set on a table. The AI voice says, imagine relaxing your arm, letting it drop to your side. Vinny's stub relaxes and points down. The doctors set him up for this automated training for five hours a day but Vinny talked them into letting him do it for eight hours a day. He'd have done it more if they let him. When his mind drifts the AI says, please focus. He'd have an easier time staying focused if he didn't worry about missing work and leaving his boys in the care of a femme who's always at that gaming hall and is a little too rough around the edges for his liking. When he had his surgery, they removed the socket he came in with and mounted a new one on the bone. The carb core material will never rust, corrode, or even wear down in a lifetime, and around it, the transition ring so thoroughly joins his skin he can tug at it like pulling at the skin around a fingernail. He won't have to worry about infections or treating irritated skin. When the intern brings the new arm to him, he hides his disappointment. Honestly, a lot of arms he sees on standalones look better. Blue, white, and black, 
The new arm smells freshly printed. They probably put it together this morning. He can start saving for a better one. Oh, but when she pushes it into his socket and it clicks into place he likes the way it attaches. So much better than the last socket slash arm combo. Linda the intern meets his eyes with mild caution. He says, are you on that smart drug? She shakes her head and says, no, he wants to tell her he hopes her generation does better than his. Hopefully, they'll do well as they slowly take over. He says, that's good. They act caffeinated. He makes a point of laughing, and she smiles and nods, her cheeks still pudgy with youth. She plugs in each input and says, can you wait until Dr. Benny and Dr. Trout get here before we turn it on? He nods and says, my schedule is wide open. She smiles and leaves him to wait for 50 minutes. He lifts the stiff arm and moves it about. Its weight distribution feels nice. He plays Rescue Kitty, the most popular free AR game this year. When the doctors arrive, both bounce about a bit and exchange knowing smiles. If Vinny didn't know about the smart drug he'd wonder if they'd just come from a party. Dr. Benny says, may I? She reaches under the prosthetic and switches it on. Vinny could have done that while waiting. He wishes he had. The arm twitches and bends, and the fingers each change position. Vinny's heart flutters. Everyone watches the arm. She says, make a fist. Vinny makes a fist. All three laugh. Vinny lifts the arm, turns it, bends it, extends it, and retracts it. At the same time, he bends and rotates the wrist and wiggles the fingers. He says, amazing. Dr. Benny says, you like how it moves? Vinny says, it moves as good as my right arm. Dr. Trout says, peeps, we're making a bit of history today. He quickly smiles and then relaxes his mouth. The door opens and two boys walk in followed by Linda. Dr. Benny says, look who we have here. Vinny says, boys. They walk up to him and say, hi dad. His twin sons, age 12. They look remarkably alike with orange-brown, tight curly hair and freckles across their faces. Dr. Trout says, Vaughn and Lenny, am I right? They nod. Dr. Trout bounces and says, I never forget a name. Dr. Benny clears her throat. Vinny wonders, has Dr. Trout always been able to never forget a name? Vinny says, who brought them here? I'm a little concerned that my sons agreed to go along with a stranger. Lenny steps forward and says, Linda brought us. We met her before. He points at the intern. Vinny says, that's okay, I guess. Look at this. He moves his prosthetic, making it wave and act like a goose opening and closing its beak. They clap and cheer. Oh wow, dad. Vinny says, hey guys, what do you think of the neighborhood complex? You're the only ones of your classmates who've seen the inside. Vaughn says, it smells funny here. Lenny says, Linda said it collects all its own water. It turns sewer into plant food. It costs way less to heat and cool. It shines heat into space to cool. It makes most of its power. There are no cars here. Lenny acts a little like the doctors who take Nuplis. One of his eyes squints and the other opens wide when he's excited. 
Lenny always goes off with a string of new facts he's learned. Vinny says, that's great son. The family is interviewed by Evening News, Morgan Colt in a room full of high-tech where Vinny was operated on, robot arms inserted sensors and flex circuits, and his flesh was grown into the implant scaffolding. Lenny acts like, well, like a kid in a candy store. He looks around eagerly and interrupts with questions. Vaughn acts increasingly bored. When Morgan Colt mentions that serendipity has a world-class aeroponics facility, Lenny says, wow, which causes the adults to chuckle. As Mr. Colt and his broadcast bot leave, Dr. Trout asks Lenny, son, would you like to see our aeroponics farm? Vaughn grunts and slumps. Lenny turns to Vinny and says, dad? Can we? Vinny reluctantly says, I don't see why not. The doctor leads them between towers of green. Robots speed past, each as big as a motorcycle, riding on cables, switching cables, reaching into leafy growth, and droping items into carts on the walkways. They move so fast, Vinny cowers. Dr. Trout says, no resident refuses GMOs so all our plants are modified to grow using a wider spectrum of light. Most of our produce is flavor and nutrient enhanced. Don't worry about the robots. They're perfectly safe. It's like watching cars on a freeway. Vinny notices a watermelon on the lowest rack about 10 paces ahead. He hasn't seen a watermelon for years. He wanders from the group to have a closer look. Bam! A cart as big as a half-wide slams into him at 45 miles an hour, crushing bones and tearing flesh. When Dr. Trout sees, all the color leaves his face and his posture goes slack. Both boys scream. The cart still tries to move, pushing Vinny across the floor and grinding him into the grate. In the mayhem that follows the boys are forgotten for 20 minutes until a femme from resident check rushes them out of the facility into a repair garage where she finds a break room with a couch. She says, you can stay here. Please wait here. I'll come back for you. Lenny has tunnel vision. He's only half aware of what's happening. Shock and disbelief overwhelm him in waves. He sits on the edge of the couch in an almost catatonic state. Vaughn cries angrily. He stands in the corner, clenches his fist, and knocks his head against the wall. Morgan Colt's interview is scrapped 20 minutes before its airtime. Instead, the news reports on a robot-on-person accident that occurred in Serendipity neighborhood complex because a visitor hadn't disclosed that he didn't have VR dots before entering a robot-run industrial zone. A somber Ms. Winters from SNC says, robots in production spaces use VR dots to know where people are. It's the best way to avoid accidents. Accident avoidance using machine vision has a higher failure rate, while robots can avoid VR dots almost 100% of the time. We'd never have let Mr. Russo into a robot zone if he'd looked over his contract with us and let us know. The first floor of the three-story building used to house six stores, each with separate entrances. Gutted, it now contains one expansive room and a smaller room in the corner that only the owner and associates have access to. A cheaply printed sign over the front entrance reads, free game for you. Most of the windows are painted over with white paint and glow with the light outside. Visitors can play off-worlders for free, a game that otherwise costs $60 a month. Each visitor must sign in at one of the stations, a sandbox with an eye reader. 
The sandbox's walls stand a foot high. The sand helps with the VR experience. Players can sort of run, jump, and sit but they do need to have some sense of where their real bodies are so they don't fall out. Opening at 7 and closing at 7, all the stations get used nearly all the time, and people will wait for the chance to play. Mostly kids play. Parents can sit on folding chairs. The paint peels, the floor is dirty, it's hot in the summer, and cold in the winter, but no one seems to care. The kids can shout and jump around. In the small room, the office, Alicia or Brandon sits behind the glass, ready to respond if any issues come up. Vaughn and Lenny come here nearly every day. They wait before opening and run to be the first to sign in at one of the stations. They used to only come on Sundays for a couple of hours with their dad. Belinda, the mother of a 14-year-old often calls them over, holds out sandwiches, and tells them, you better take these. Don't tell me you won't take these. In the office, Merch and Tessa walk down the stairs. Alicia turns around at the desk and says, oh hi. Her eyes look sleepy and bloodshot as she fingers one of her dreads. The place smells of patchouli and hamburgers. Merch says, how's it going today? Alicia stretches her arms and says, fine. They're being real troopers today. Merch says, I can see. He turns to Tessa and says, see, they play for free. They keep a character until they get it to level 3. The next time they log on, they get a beginner character. I sell the higher level characters to people who don't want to go through the early game grind. Peeps love the game but don't want to spend years unlocking all the starter modules. There's lots of demand. Tessa says, wow. I'll tell Buzzsaw about this. Merch says, I tried making AI play characters to level 3 but a game AI kicked my AI off. They could tell. But, last year I tried a new open source robot trainer. Some people wanted to make their own robot cleaner, so they wrote the software to record their movements to build up the training data. They recorded folding laundry, picking up dishes, that sort of thing. I modified the program to record these gamers. I want to make some AI players who won't get detected. I hope it works. If it does, I could make a hell of a lot more level 3 characters. Tessa says, and the open source is pretty good? He says, the commercial software is probably better, but I can get it to work. Vaughn and Lenny sit inside an upside-down van in a junkyard. They sit on the ceiling which is their floor. The seats are gone, the glass is all busted, and the sliding door doesn't close all the way, but the grass grows high all around the outside, giving them privacy. On a pile of dirty clothes, Vaughn leans against the metal wall. He watches VR with his glasses and sometimes says something like, I'm going to learn how to move things with my mind. I want to learn to turn dice so I can win money. Or, I just sent you a psychic message, did you get it? Lenny sits on the opposite wall on an old blanket in a box, also watching VR. He says things like, did you know people used to fly planes? They worked a stick that pulled on cables that turned flaps. There were no sky cranes and not many planes because each plane needed someone who knew how to fly which took a long time to learn how to do. Vaughn's glasses turn from frosted to clear and he says, I'm going to eat. He crawls to a pile of cans of Sam's ham, peels the lid off one, uses a butter knife to scoop out the algae, and chews. Lenny remains seated with frosted over glasses. A warm wind nudges the van, making it rock.
crickets jump in through window openings and spring across the interior. Yesterday a snake slithered in, and the brothers erupted into frightened attack mode, striking the snake with a brick and a belt. Vaughn says, we'll need more food soon, and water. Lenny moves his head a little responding to whatever it is he watches. Whirring, humming, and crunching sounds pass the van. Vaughn says, another giantess bot went past. Lenny lifts his glasses and says, another one? Vaughn says, yeah. Lenny says, how come no one robs one of those? Vaughn smiles and says, I don't know. They deliver in the poorest parts of town. Lenny says, I can't find much online about it. Vaughn says, it's because they have cameras. Peeps know they'll get arrested, for sure. Lenny says, I could throw a blanket over it. Vaughn says, how do we know what it has? What if it's just delivering a pair of shoes or something like that? Lenny says, they hold a lot. I bet when they're going that way, they're full, on their way to make deliveries, and when they go the other way, they're empty and heading back. Vaughn says, what if it doesn't need to see to get away? I bet they can go fast. They wait on the now top side of the van. Road crud from when the van operated rubs off on their feet and hands. It doesn't take too long before a delivery robot wheels down the path, between old cars and mounds of junk. They say two adults can fit comfortably inside one of those. A smaller robot comes off it that can take packages indoors and upstairs. The boys crouch low. Vaughn watches like a hunter while Lenny shifts and looks around. When the bot passes in front of the van, they throw the blanket over it then jump down. The robot uses an arm, pulling at the blanket as each boy takes the end of a carb cable and runs with it. The middle catches on the robot. They run around it, passing each other whooping and shouting. The blanket is halfway off, but the cable holds it. The boys take the cable ends, pull them tight, and loop them around the open doors of the van. The robot's wheels kick up dirt. Lenny grabs a pipe off a pile of pipes, runs up to the half-covered robot, and swings with all his might. The pipe thuds on a shell part. Vaughn comes in with his own pipe and strikes the top. They wail on the machine in a primitive rapture. The smaller stair climbing bot falls off the larger one. It rolls on the ground, unfolds its four legs, and walks a few paces back, but after that, it remains still. Vaughn lands a blow that causes a crack. The boys hoot and holler. Lenny swings and also cracks the robot's side. Sweaty and winded, Lenny drops his pipe and says, let's pull the blanket off. They pull the blanket up enough to see where one of the doors is cracked open. The two bot arms remain partly outstretched like it was going to try to pull the blanket off but forgot. Lenny pulls on the door and cracks it open. Three boxes sit snugly inside. In an instant, bright green goo fills the compartment, completely covering the packages. The boys cry out with disappointment. Vaughn rams the bot with the end of his pipe and cracks a lens. Its spinning wheels stop. They wail on the highest cabinet door, taking turns running, swinging, and striking until it caves in, then Vaughn uses a stick to pry it open. He sees ten small packages for an instant before smelly, fluorescent foam covers them. Lenny shouts, reach in and get them. When Vaughn tries pushing his hands into the goo, it's already hardening. He can only push his fingers in half an inch. 
They pull the blanket off and wail on a lower door, Lenny says, what's that? Foam oozes out of the gaps lining the closed doors. Vaughn drops his pipe and yells toward the ground, shaking with rage. The bot sprays out a foamy substance in all directions. The van, the smaller robot, and the boys get covered in the goo. An inch of the stuff collects on the ground. It drips off the tall grass. The boys jump and back away, moaning and scooping the goo from their eyes. Lenny falls, and as he gets to his feet, grass sticks to his back. The foam dries and thickens. In the heat, the boys' temperatures rise. They struggle to move. Vaughn cries, what do we do? Thank you for listening. I will never run ads on this podcast. Please take the time to rate, review, and subscribe so that more future-minded people can find this show. My landing page is n20xx.com. There, you can find the companion website to this podcast that includes an illustrated timeline and glossary.